Thank you for calling the That Would Be Rad hotline. We are sorry we missed your call. Please, leave your story of rad strangeness, and Woody and Tyler will get back to you as soon as possible. Listen for the beep and be rad. G'day, that would be rad. Uh, Tyler and Woody, this is your mate Matt, uh, also known as Matt Man, in Sydney, Australia, in the land down under. Uh, so I'm just recording my um, story of high strangeness or uh, I would say uh, alien encounters or encounter. I would have been probably 11 or 12. I lived in a suburb of Sydney, a place called Cheltenham. And it was a hot, balmy day uh, in our summer, which would have been October and November. It was definitely in October and November because it was just after my birthday. Uh, and I was riding my bike with a mate of mine on our road outside of my house. Probably would have been about 12, 11 or 12. So this was in the late 80s, probably you know, maybe 88, 89. Anyway, so it was a, it was a Saturday afternoon. Uh, he and I were sitting on my road uh, riding a bike and it would have probably been about three o'clock, four o'clock. And I had, <clears throat> had a road that looked on a dead end that looked out over bushland at the bottom and over a small valley on the other side, there were other houses in suburban Sydney. My road had a, a view over a valley is the best way to describe it. And on the horizon over the other side of that valley, we looked up and all I can best describe what we saw and he and I have discussed it many years over the over now, is a, a um, what's the, what, uh, I what you guys call them? We call them um, a blue bottle. But they're often called a Portuguese man of war, which is kind of like a jellyfish with tentacles that hang down with a balloon type thing on the bottom. Uh, I've had a discussion, was it the Goodyear blimp? Was it a helicopter? It was something that was very irregularly shaped and it had what it looked like as tentacles hanging down. Really big, but it was we were seeing it on a distance. Now, I'm nearly 45, and even now I can remember visualizing where I saw it and what it looked like. We turned to look each other, and, I, and we, we were going to run in and grab parents, and by the time we got back, it was gone. And he and I talk about this, seeing that, that image in the sky regularly. Both he and I saw it. Happy, I should get his... Uh, I might email this to him, get his, whether he has anything to add to it. His name's Mark. Um, but I will. I'm, I'm going to email this to him and uh, get him to add his little bits. All right, mate. Uh, thanks for this, everyone. Uh, I hope that's interesting. We call him um, a blue bottle. Very irregularly shaped. And it had what it looked like as tentacles hanging down.
Hey, all you blokes and Sheilas, welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, the land down under, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Barely made it through that one. Well, I'm glad that you decided not to do the Australian accent. And dude, God, let me I just say- it. I mean, can I just say something here? And I know I've I've said this before. The Australian mm-hmm. accent is just the coolest accent that exists on planet Earth, man. It's like oh, immediately 100%. I'm just jealous of any anybody that has one. I mean, it would literally, like, yeah. I'll just give you an example. You would go from like a four and a half to a solid seven if you had an Australian accent. Just by saying this. Hell the hell are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, 100%. So what you guys just heard was our dear friend and listener, Matt from Australia, mm-hmm. who sent us this incredible personal story, you know, uh, a while back. But we've been waiting for the perfect time to feature it in addition to kind of this topic of just UFO experiences in the land, uh, well, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, another thing that we say all the time is that, you know, for some reason, Australia has always held sort of like this mystical Oh, yeah. Mysterious vibe Mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. Just because there's so much, frankly, that we don't know about it, uh, you know, personally. I mean, I used to live pretty close to there. I've been to Australia a couple of times. But, Hmm. you know, it's just one of those things that uh, it just seems like a a real cool, I don't know, source of mysterious events. And so we've been wanting to do this for a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, I am exactly right there with you, especially... Something about like the like the Aboriginal, like the concept of like the dream time, mm-hmm. and like I have a brother in law who's Australian as well. But there's just this 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 like sort of wild and like mm-hmm. untouched, untamed, kind of yeah yeah untamed. That's and better. like a wealth of lore that we don't. You know, you and I both. I think I can speak for you in this. Like we're fascinated by any kind of lore in general, like whether it's like Mm -hmm. spiritual or ancient, whatever it is, magic, whatever it is, we're super Mm -hmm. fascinated by that. And we're still exploring our own sort of Native American and indigenous kind of lore that exists where we live. But man, when we Mm -hmm. discover other belief systems and other like cultural, like like around the, yeah, like anthropology around the world. And stuff. It's just man, we yeah. dive in and it's just it's captivating for us. And so, you know, yeah, Matt, thank you so much for sending that. Also, thank you for kind of serving as the genesis to these next two episodes. Yeah, exactly. What we wanted to do this week as a part one is basically really focus on these stories, these events that kind of captivated our attention when we started diving into. UFO phenomenon and things basically up in the sky in Australia. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about a place that has like some of the deadliest animals on the planet currently. And so to think about them seeing different things or, or you know, really unique things in the sky, well, that pointed us in the direction to do this episode So or these episodes. So we're going to focus on these stories. So I want you, we want you listeners to sit back, relax. Put a shrimp on the bobby. Put a shrimp on the bobby. And keep your eyes on the skies as we journey to the land down under. Uh, 
west of Eucla early yesterday. This is Faye Knowles and her three sons say their car was chased in the night by a giant glowing... The car was picked up, they say. Police have confirmed that ash from somewhere was found on and in the car. Traveling across remote areas in the dark, early morning hours can be eerie. Something about those pre-dawn hours seems to hold a strange energy that we've all sensed before. It's almost as if the possibility of a strange encounter is around each and every bend of the road ahead, just beyond the headlights, waiting somewhere out there in the dark. Early on the morning of January 20th, 1988, the Knowles family and their two dogs had an unexplainable experience while traveling across the Knoll Arbor Plain. A flat, almost treeless, arid area of southern Australia. It was about 4 a.m. and seemingly extra dark that morning. Faye Knowles and her three sons, Patrick, Sean, and Wayne were somewhere between Madura and Mandrabilla, Australia. Sean was driving with Patrick next to him in the front seat when suddenly a bright light was seen just ahead of them. Sean, immediately curious, thought that a light like that, so bright and out in the middle of the country, was very strange. His first thought was to ask his older brother Patrick if he thought it was some sort of spacecraft. Like most older brothers, Patrick shrugged it off and thought there was probably a reasonable explanation, but Sean's interest was piqued. So he stomped on the gas to catch up to the object and get a closer look. As their car got closer to the object, the radio began to malfunction and the family reported being confronted with a white, blinding, self-contained light that moved along in front of their moving vehicle. It was about three or four feet wide, and they described it as a slightly angular egg in an egg cup shape with a yellow center. The object, which at first appeared to be either on the ground or hovering immediately above it, then began to move back and forth. Sean swerved the car to the opposite side of the road to avoid a collision with the object. But then he nearly collided with a station wagon coming in the opposite direction that was towing a trailer behind it. The object then circled around to the right side of their car and then appeared to give chase to the second vehicle moving in the opposite direction. The Knowles, understandably, were scared and quickly steered away from the object that at this point seemed to be following them and, to the Knowles, it seemed that this strange object was after them. No matter how fast they went, where they turned, or even how they tried to lose this mysterious object, it was still there. the radio still acting as if it had a life of its own. Then, momentarily, 
as it appeared to be above them, they heard a clunking sound and felt that the car was being pushed down by a weight resting on top of it. They couldn't believe it. It was on top of their car. By now, the family was absolutely frightened. They reported that the car was then lifted off the road. Although none of them were able to estimate for how long or how high. Mrs. Knowles, in pure panic, rolled down the rear window and reached for the roof. She felt something soft and rubbery that was hot, but did not burn her hand. And when she brought her hand back into the car, she found it covered in a blackish dust. All three boys were panicking. Patrick rolled down his window, only to also be covered in this fine dust, which was accompanied by a very foul smell that he reported being like the smell of dead, rotting carcasses. A very high-pitched sound was then heard, which sent the dogs into a frenzy. The family became disoriented and felt that their voices had become slower and lower in pitch. At this point, they all believed that they were going to die. Patrick said that he felt like his brain was being sucked out of his head. And Mrs. Knowles likened it to having something going into their heads. An indiscernible while later, the family felt the car forced back down onto the road. So forcefully, in fact, that it caused the right tire to burst. Sean brought the car to a sudden stop and blacked out. family then rushed out of the car as quick as they could and hid in some nearby bushes on the side of the road. They remained there for approximately 15 minutes before feeling it was safe enough to come out, change the tire, and continue on to the nearest town. Unknown to the Knowles, a truck driver named Mr. Graham Henley also saw at the same time and in the same area a strange light in his rearview mirror. He described it as being like a strong spotlight and like a big fried egg hung upside down. He kept the object in view for five minutes or so and didn't see any car headlights beneath it. Shortly after Henley pulled into Mondrabilla, he saw the Knoll's car arrive and was confronted by the frightened family all of them trying to describe frantically their experience to him. We thought we were dying. All of a sudden, this thing's on our roof and pulling the car up. We don't know what's going on. So then it dropped you and you blew a tire. Yeah. What happened next? Did you get out of the car? Oh, I went down the window and I, saw, and I felt this thing on the roof, you know? And I said, gee, there's something on top of our roof. And I didn't know what to do. And I was screaming. And as soon as I said that, a little this um, smoke stuff come into the car. The car was covered in all black stuff, wasn't it? Well, a like grit or soot or ash. It was like a soot. He looked over their car and confirmed the presence of a black ash in various areas, both inside and on the exterior of the vehicle. 
and he likened it to fine silicone sand with a strange burnt odor to it. He also noted four indentations in the car's roof and the damaged tire. Henley and two of his friends also surveyed the scene of the incident, finding skid marks, footprints, and tread tracks that they felt confirmed the Knowles account. The family then spoke to authorities and police who confirmed that they were visibly shaken that night. They also reconfirmed the presence of the four indentations on the top of the car and the fine dust. On that very same night, less than 200 miles away, a Tasmanian man and his girlfriend who were traveling down another empty road when all of a sudden the man heard a loud thump directly above their vehicle. For the next 15 minutes or so, he saw numerous bright white lights shooting earthwards from the sky as their car was battered by violent winds which blew items off the roof and even bent the antenna over completely. The witness stated that the winds continued for approximately one hour, blowing their vehicle all over the highway. It frightened the living daylights out of me, he stated. Police have confirmed that ash from somewhere was found on and in the car. A truck driver has corroborated the story, and two fishing boats in the Gulf have also reported UFO sightings about half an hour later. You want to leave us alone? Well, did you... Who, who changed the tyre? Sean changed, took him two minutes to change the tyre. I bet it did. <laughs> we left a jack and everything, we just left everything up there, we just took off. And at that stage, did you think you'd, you were involved with a, with a flying saucer? Yes, we really we did. did. We said we're dead, you know, we thought we were really dying. If I said to you and one of your sons of say, Patrick had come home late tonight and said to you, Mum, I'm late because I was crossing the Nullarbor and a big giant thing picked up my car and shook it and dropped it again, what would your reaction be if you hadn't been there? I would say he was crazy. Had you believed in UFOs before this? Never. Were you at all tempted not to tell the police because people may take yes. the mickey out of you? We weren't going to go, but we made up our mind to go, you know, because it might happen to someone else. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. 
pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You got a light, buddy? Yeah, sure, kid. There you go. And your wallet. Nick, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures from another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. October 21st, 1978, Frederick Valentich took off in his single-engined Cessna 182 from Moorabin Airport, Melbourne, Australia. As he was flying along the Bass Strait at about 5,000 feet altitude, he told air traffic controllers in Melbourne that he could see a large aircraft below him and wanted to know if they were aware of any aircraft in the area. Melbourne ATC said there were no known aircraft in the area and asked if he could identify it. Frederick said he couldn't identify it, but it had four bright lights. The UFO then passed over him and appeared to be playing some sort of game with him. He said that the object was a long shape, very fast, with a green light and a sort of metallic exterior, and that it was not an aircraft. The object was orbiting and then just seemed to vanish. The UFO then reappeared, approaching him from the southwest. Frederick reported that his engine was rough idling and coughing. Melbourne ATC asked what his intentions were, and he replied, My intentions are, uh, to go to King Island, uh, Melbourne. That strange aircraft is hovering on top of me again. 
It is hovering and it is not an aircraft. The last transmission from Frederick Valentich was at 1912 hours and an alert was immediately declared. When at 1933 hours, it was evident that the Cessna 182 had not arrived at King Island, a full-scale search and rescue operation was launched. After five days of searching, no sign of the pilot or aircraft was found. Despite the fact that the Cessna was equipped with a radio survival beacon. The weather at the time of this incident was clear with a trace of stratocumulus clouds at 5,000 to 7,000 feet. Excellent visibility with light winds. The aircraft was fully refueled with approximately five hours of flying time and was equipped with four life jackets. There had also been many UFO sightings from people before and after this incident. Whatever the truth may be, the fact remains that Frederick Valentich vanished in mysterious circumstances. Possibly UFO related, and that the mystery of his disappearance lingers to this very day. However, almost 36 years to the month that Victorian pilot Fred Valentich vanished without a trace, an independent researcher says there is evidence suggesting the 20-year-old Cessna was spotted in the sky over South Australia, attached to a UFO. The Victorian UFO Action Group once helped to identify a farmer near Adelaide who reportedly witnessed the 30-meter craft hovering above his property the morning after Mr. Valentich went missing. It is claimed that the Cessna was stuck to the side of the craft, leaking oil. The farmer even scratched the plane's registration number onto his tractor but never came forward with the information because he was ridiculed by the few friends he told. This theory has sparked furious debate, but was this plane that was stuck to the side of a hovering UFO the same plane that belonged to Frederick Valentich? The mystery continues. Man, I love those stories. Uh, they're so sort of familiar, but also extra strange. Right? Of, I mean, like there's yeah, a weird, there's yeah. an Australian flavor there, and yeah. like we cannot wait to 
obviously kind of dissect these a little bit further with you next week in part two, but also give you some more of the things that we found mm-hmm. that are up in the sky in the land down under. I mean, it's just, it's just an incredible, incredible place. Yes, yeah, it really is. Well, we are going to get going, but... Uh, yeah, but before we do, listener, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. I mean, not only mm-hmm. do we just interact with folks and fill the week full of just sometimes random trivia about the 80s and 90s that we love, mm-hmm. but also specifically, you know, post more about these episodes and we can dive even deeper heading down that rabbit trail of, uh, of mystery and information and nostalgia. And Tyler, if the listener wants to be featured on our show like our buddy Matt just was, what is the best way for them to do that? Well, like what he said before, feel free to shoot us a DM over on Instagram or if it's more long form or if you... Uh, would like to do what Matt did and send us a like a voice memo, feel free to shoot it to that would be radpod at gmail.com. And uh, already looking forward to next episode. So, like we always say, we love you, we appreciate you, and as always, be rad. That's the way it
Hey, isn't good, pal? I am great today, Mike. Oh, boy. Terrible. <laughs> How the hell are you? I mean, should you do the that, intro, the whole thing? You know, should we just, <laughs> in this episode, should we just speak in only an Australian accent? Your thoughts. Oh, God, it would, it would be so, so oh, insulting. Yeah, that's not, uh, boy, it's not good at all, huh? <laughs> okay, okay, let's roll. Okay, uh, uh, where are we at here? Man, you know, part of, whenever I ask, are you ready, what? it's, I have to listen on air to, well, because it's missing on this. Let me, let me. You did not include, I'm trying to get the, uh, maybe just write it down. Okay, cool. It's not, uh, I don't know about that, um. Hey, all you blokes. <laughs> do not do it. <laughs> sounded like Don't Oliver Twist. Uh, hey, all you blokes and Sheila's. Let me do that. Again. Yeah, yelling. Can tell it's going to peak. I can already tell. I've been waiting for the perfect time to feature it in addition to kind of this topic of just UFO experiences in the land. In the, okay. In the land. <laughs> uh, well, in Australia. Uh, there's just something so or 80s, I guess technically, but um, doing well, good already. <laughs> Jesus, uh, you know they're kind of classic UFO lore, sort of at the same time. But what, what am I saying here? Uh, just, just say, just say, man, those stories were incredible, and I'll take it from there. <laughs> man, those stories were incredible. <laughs> All right. I did no, exactly no, like great. you did. Do it. Do it again. I'm telling but, you. But, but but just like but just like Yeah, it really is. Well, we are going to get going, but uh but first where can we be found? Where can we be found on Wait, is that right? Where can we Where's the best place yeah. to find us? I don't know.